0: And welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in.
1: So this week as we get started, I thought I want to share some good news with you. Because I don't know about you, but it seems as if we continually get inundated with bad news. And maybe you've tried to stop reading the paper or you've turned off your social media feed or you don't listen to the news but it's not always positive. And so let me share just two pieces of good news uh, with you, that we can all celebrate together. As many of you know, if you were watching last week, I wasn't here. Bruce was here, and it was great to hear uh, his message. But I was away at another church in Saint Catherine's, talking about uh, the prison ministry that I oversee in Malawi. Uh, our congregation is amazing in supporting this ministry. Last year, our congregation gave over eighteen thousand dollars to support the prisons in Malawi. That is amazing. Well, in addition to that. I go to other churches and talk about the ministry and invite them to partner with us as well. Well, there's a church in St. Catharines where before December, they gave a very generous gift of about $3,000. And so I went to them last week to thank them and to share the message with them. And at the end of the service, their minister got up and he felt compelled, uh, prompted by God for the congregation to do a little bit more. And so he shared with the congregation that he thought that in the next week, they could raise $10,000 for the prisons in Malawi. Well, I was sitting in the chair, and I'm like, holy smokes, this is unbelievable. Sure, go for it. Like, l- let's, see, let's see what's going to happen. Well, I just got an email on Friday, and that congregation has already raised $8,600. Like, That's, that's unbelievable. That, that, that is some good news to see what God is doing um, in the midst of his people. Second piece of good news is the Raw Carrot, which you may or may not know, but it is a vital, vital ministry of our church. Through preparing and producing gourmet soup, they are able to employ people on Ontario Disability. Such an amazing ministry. Well, in order for them to employ more people, they need to sell soup. And the more soup they sell, the more freezers they need. And so if you've ever been in our church building... We got lots of freezers. It's like these freezers are giving birth, which is amazing because it means that the ministry is growing. Well, one of their hopes and dreams was that they could have a walk-in freezer, but that is pretty expensive. This past month, a very generous donor came to the Raw Carrot and said, we want to give you $25,000 to build a walk-in freezer. It's just amazing to see what God is doing. And so in the midst of some perhaps difficult news, here's some good news that we can celebrate. Now, before I jump into the message, let me just uh, pray. And I want to pray specifically that this message would kind of meet you wherever you are at. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you are the God of good news. We thank you that because of Jesus, we have hope. Uh, we, we, we know that you are with us. And I just pray that through the words that I speak, uh, as we jump into the Bible and learn from you, That you would speak into our lives where we need to hear it most. For we ask of Jesus in your name. Amen. So today we're continuing in our series called Stand. And if you haven't been with us, it's a series that revolves around the question essentially of what is your foundation in life? What is it that you are standing upon? And that's a question we're really going to dive in into here today. And to kind of help us in the conversation, we have been turning to the story of Daniel. Now, Daniel's story is told about 2,500 years ago, and so he predates uh, the birth of Jesus. And Daniel comes at a time where things for him and the entire nation of God, things are not good. They have been conquered by the Babylonians. Their homes and their cities have been completely destroyed. The temple has been ransacked. And the majority of them, particularly the best and the brightest, have taken off. been taken off into exile. Now, Daniel is one of the specific individuals in exile where he is brought to be trained in the king's court. And essentially, he goes through a whole new re-education, a means of essentially stripping his Jewish identity and his trust and dependence Upon God. And what I appreciate so much about the story of Daniel is that it begins to give us a glimpse as to how you can persevere, how you can find hope, and how you can remain faithful in a culture that is hostile towards your beliefs. I think a lot of times we think of our own lives and we look at the culture that we live in and we realize that in many ways our culture is not pulling in the same way that Jesus wants us to live. And so Daniel becomes an amazing example for us as to how we remain faithful. So today, I want to look specifically at the reality of how do we remain faithful? How do we find hope in the midst of troubling times? What you probably quickly realize is that no one is exempt from trouble. Whether you believe in God or not, trouble always seems to find a way into life. And so what does faith do? How do we respond in the midst of difficulties? And so the situation, we're going to jump into Daniel chapter 2, is that Daniel has remarkably risen in the ranks. And he has become one of the wise men, one of the advisors to the king. And In chapter 2, we're told that the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has a dream. Well, it's it's probably more aptly put, a nightmare because he is having trouble sleeping at night. This dream is keeping him up. Here is the ruler of the nation of the, of of the nation of Babylon, the most powerful man in the world. And he is having trouble sleeping. And so what does he do? He goes to his wise men and he says, you need to tell me what the dream is and then interpret it for me. Well, the wise men kind of like look around the room and like, uh, King, um, tell us what the dream is and then we will interpret it for you. Well, have you ever lost a bunch of night's sleep? You get a little cranky, don't you? You don't exactly act always in the most thoughtful way. The king takes it to the next level. He becomes so infuriated, he actually tells him, if you can't tell me the dream and interpret it, I am going to put you to death. This, of course, includes Daniel. Like, talk about life getting even more difficult. And so what does Daniel do? He goes to God in prayer and asks for mercy, that God would not only reveal what the dream was, but then the interpretation of it as well. And amazingly, God does exactly that. And so Daniel goes to the king and tells him the dream, and then it's interpretation. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, what, really? This happened 25 years, 2,500 years ago, like, Okay, who cares? I don't know about this king. The Babylonians are no no longer in power. What difference does it make? Is it really relevant in my life? It's in this dream that we need to first understand the context of the day. But in doing so, we start to see the impact it has for us in how we navigate the troubles of life. So let's jump in. We're going to turn to Daniel chapter 2, beginning with verse 31. And this is what we read. This is Daniel speaking to the king. Daniel says, in your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. It was frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. And so there is the dream. I can start to see why the king was having nightmares. Imagine a dream of a massive statue. Starts to explain sleepless nights. And the statue was made of of various different uh, materials. Looks powerful, looks menacing, looks like it will endure forever. But then a rock, and we're told the rock, which is cut out of the mountain but not by human hands, hits the feet, smashes the statue to bits, and everything crumbles and is completely blown away. And then this rock grows into a mountain and inhabits the entire earth. I can tell, I can tell, you're just riveted, right? You're like, this is why I should read the Bible more often. This is amazing. Maybe not, maybe this is further evidence when you're like, Joel, this is why I struggle with reading the Bible. This is why I struggle with reading stories like Daniel. I read passages like this and I'm like, what the heck is it all about? Where is the relevance? 2,500 years ago, a statue, a stone, a rock? Like, what? come on, man. Like, what? how is this going to help me in the midst of life, in the midst of my troubles here today? Hold on. Because Daniel continues with the second part, beginning to give the interpretation. Daniel turns to the king in verse 36 and says, That was the dream. Now we will tell you, king, what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom, inferior to yours, will rise to take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by bronze will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. That great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. What we begin to see in this dream that was given to the king, the most powerful man in the world was a dream of prophecy of what was yet to come. That although Babylon was great as represented by the gold head of the statue, it would not endure, that it will be replaced. And then that kingdom will be replaced. And then that kingdom will be replaced. But then the finality, the climax is that there will be a rock that will come and smash the statue to bits, and then that rock will grow into a mountain and will endure forever. The point of the dream is no matter how mighty and great a kingdom will be, it will not last and endure. The only one is the kingdom of God. That is the rock. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Daniel, I'd be pretty stoked at the very beginning of knowing that God gave me the dream to give to the king because now my life would be spared. But as I start to tell him the interpretation that basically, king, you are mighty and great only because God put you in that position and your kingdom is going to come to an end that only God's kingdom is going to endure, you may think your life is on the line again. The crazy thing is the king doesn't respond that way. The king, in many ways, doesn't get the dream. Because you know what he does? He starts to praise Daniel. He offers worship to his God. He then then throws upon him expensive gifts. He promotes Daniel to an even higher position. You got to think, king, do you even get what's going on? And then, and then to show the king doesn't really fully understand the dream, in chapter 3, which we'll get into next week, He goes and builds a massive statue, 96 feet tall, and that all people, when they hear any music, wherever they are, must stop what they're doing, bow down and worship the statue, or they get put to death. It's like, King Nebuchadnezzar, are you kidding me? Do you not understand what this dream is? God is telling you that your kingdom will not endure, that only the kingdom of God will endure forever. But then I got to thinking, in a subtle way, this dream given to the king maybe was meant more for Daniel, those in exile, and those still living in ruins back in Israel. Think about it for a moment. They are in a circumstance. They are in a situation where it seems like everything is out of control that the Babylonian nation has risen and they start to wonder, God, where are you in the midst of it? This is God's message to Daniel. This is the message of, of the story of Daniel. This is one of the great messages of the entire Bible. God is saying, I am sovereign. I am in control. Trust in me. Nations will rise and nations will fall. But the kingdom of God endures forever. It's a dream, it's a message of hope. It's a message that reminds us that when we remain faithful, yes, there'll be troubling times, but God will endure. What's amazing is you you look back and you start to see throughout the history of this world, nations have come, nations have gone. But do you believe that the kingdom of God will endure forever. So what about us? What about you in the midst of your life? You see, there's two things we can do with this story. We can kind of dismiss it and think, what's the relevance? 2,500 years old, what's the big deal? Or we allow this story to begin to speak into your life into my life as well, that absolutely the circumstances has changed, the context has changed, but the message remains the same. Consider it in two ways. The first one is this. In the midst of your life, in the midst of troubles, in the midst of uncertainties, in the midst of when it seems like all the wrong things are going right and all the right things are always going wrong, where do you find hope? It's like God is giving us this dream as well to say, listen, listen, in the midst of it all, understand that my kingdom will endure forever. Trust in me. I am in control. I love the image of the stone. It's a reminder that God's kingdom is built upon the reality of Jesus, that he becomes our foundation. That as a follower of Jesus, it it doesn't mean that there's not gonna be times of trouble or of difficulties, but that our hope is found not in knowing what is going on around us, but in knowing that Jesus, the rock, of our lives is our foundation. I don't know about you, but one of the things I often like to do is have a bit of a mental hook. And that, that rock cut from the mountain is a great mental hook. But I was thinking, I can't really carry this rock around with me. And so maybe this week, you wanna get a little bit of a smaller rock but the significance remains the same. Because for you, you know that in the midst of troubles, in the midst of difficulties, God is the foundation upon which you stand. How do you find hope? How are you able to endure in the midst of difficulties? By knowing that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that his kingdom is being built and it will endure forever. It will perish never. So it's a little cold outside, but maybe you want to go and find yourself a rock as a reminder for you this week that in the midst of whatever you are going through, that Jesus is your solid foundation. The second thing this dream does for us is the thing it was supposed to do for the king, to cause him to reflect upon what the foundation of his life was. I get it, I get it. You're probably thinking, hey Joel, I'm not trying to build a kingdom. But what are you building your life upon? The very same message is true. We can build these grandiose lives that on the appearance they may seem stunning and strong and majestic. But without Jesus nothing, nothing will endure. We may base our lives upon success or accomplishments or or wealth or career or family, relationships. But ultimately, what is our foundation? What are we building our lives upon? That's why we're talking about the importance of Alpha. I just love what what Ryan shared earlier in the welcome of how it was 20 years ago that Alpha changed his life because he realized he needed a solid foundation that was built upon Jesus. Maybe you're someone who is wrestling with some of the questions, wondering more about what does it mean to follow Jesus. I would suggest Alpha to you. Send, send Bruce an email, and, and he will give you all the necessary information. Because Jesus reminded us of this truth very early on in his ministry, in Matthew chapter seven, after talking about what does it look like to truly follow him in all of life, this is what Jesus says. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a, a person who builds their house on a solid rock. So let me ask you, what are you building your life upon? Maybe you've come to the place today where you've realized that this dream given 2,500 years ago is speaking truth into your life that it seems like whatever you've built your life upon, the foundation is crumbling and is soon to be swept away. Maybe today is a day where you take that step of faith and say, Jesus, I want to make you the foundation of my life. What does it look like? Send me an email. We'll continue to connect and talk about that next step of baptism where you come forward before others and say, Jesus, you are the rock upon which I want to build my life. Because when you do, When troubles come, you will have a solid foundation because God's kingdom will endure. As I think of Daniel, as I think of my own life, I am so grateful for the faithfulness of God, knowing that he is in control. May this hope, may this truth, become your reality as you step foot on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. And so Lord God, we are so grateful for the reminder through the life of Daniel, of how it is your kingdom that will endure and last forever. I pray first for those that perhaps are struggling with difficulties. May they find strength in you. I pray as well for those that perhaps have been building their lives upon other things that ultimately will not last. God, may you continue to work in their lives. May they choose to follow you and make you the foundation of their life. And as they take this step of faith, may they be filled with your peace in knowing that you are with them that you are the rock upon which they stand. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you're someone who's made that commitment today to make Jesus the foundation of your life, reach out to someone, a friend, maybe the person who shared this link, or reach out to me, I'd love to connect with you, to encourage you, to pray with you, to talk about what is the next step with Jesus begin to look like? But until we meet again, may God's blessing and love, may Christ's peace and joy, and may the comfort and the hope of the Holy Spirit be yours today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen.
0: and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb,